Well, hello again, and uh, thank you for taking time to join us for our weekly uh, pastoral Bible study. Uh, we're continuing again today in the book of Mark. Uh, the chapter we're looking at today is chapter 6. It's a little bit longer, so Pastor Mark and I decided we're going to split it in half. So not to make the study too lengthy and not to just try to fast forward through anything. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to look at basically verses 1 through 29. We'll see Jesus in kind of three distinct different roles and uh, have a little bit of a story there with John the Baptist. But they all really do intertwine into this one uh, great text. So we'll just jump into it today. Mm -hmm. uh, chapter 6 beginning at verse 1 we are reading from the NIV. Jesus left there and went to his hometown. Accompanied oh, stop right there. Uh-oh. Where did he leave? Is that where you're, where you go? You're already stopping. His hometown is Nazareth. I just want to make that footnote. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Very good. good. <laughs> Jesus left there and uh -huh. went to his hometown, Nazareth. Nazareth, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, do you want to name all the disciples now? No, go ahead. Keep, keep when the Sabbath came, do you want to name the day of the week? Saturday. Okay. Yeah, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked, What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, John, excuse me, James, Joseph, uh, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Yeah. Just a quick footnote again before we jump into the kind of yeah. more meaty things here. But, um, you know, there's some... Uh, some groups of Christians who, uh, and I think it's in an effort to elevate Mary into maybe a more holier status, that would uh, claim that they she didn't have any more children mm. after Jesus. Mm. Like Jesus was the only child she ever had. And it seems pretty clear that at least people in the town that lived with him and uh, knew that he had brothers and sisters. Yeah, I mean, these aren't even like born. friends trying to make up a story like they know that. And it's not the only place in Scripture where this is mentioned either. Sure. So, just that just yeah. that little note. But That's a good one. Um, yeah. It, it, so, this is Nazareth. Yeah. I think we mentioned that at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. So, you just got to think about, again, the perspective of the people. You know, when we read, again... We read through these, and the time flies by so fast. But so these are the people that Jesus grew up with. Yep. He lived there, and he worked there for 30 years until only recently uh, he had left and started this, this ministry, this rabbi thing. That's a great point because most people probably do not realize how close it was of his departure and coming back you think well yeah when did he leave was he 12 years old or 13 and they haven't seen in a while it's been a fairly short amount of time mm -hmm. he hasn't matured so much to where people can't physically recognize oh. him or something oh, like yeah. that oh yeah. definitely um and so they there's at the same time they're amazed at his teaching but they can't see past i guess their familiarity yeah 
It's like this is a carpenter. Yeah. What's he doing standing up in the pulpit? It's almost, preaching it to me. It 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 is almost like when you see maybe there are times when uh, I've gone through life where maybe I haven't seen one of my nieces and nephews maybe in quite some time, at least in their life. Maybe it's only been uh, you know nine or ten months for me, but when they show up physically in their life, you know, maybe that's 10% or 20% of their lifespan. And physically they do look different. And all of a sudden you're, you almost can't believe it. Like, wow, you've gotten so big. All of us have said that, or somebody said that to us when we were younger. And it's almost like the same thing with Jesus. We remember, you know, this was the, this little rug rat that was playing around here. He was just playing in his father's workshop. You know, this guy who was this carpenter, wait a minute, these amazing teachings, you know, how is this possible that this is that same person that we knew? Right. Especially in a short amount of time. Right. Now, have you uh, ever experienced uh, uh, someone from maybe your, the congregation you grew up in kind of reaching out? Like maybe when you were a youth minister even, oh, yeah. or even as a pastor. Yeah. Just being like, hey, we've got this opening. Hey, we're looking for somebody. Sure. Man, you would be great. Have you ever thought about yeah. like, coming home? Yeah. I have I have had that yeah, yeah yeah I've had people talk to me about that yeah <laughs> why do you ask well is it it's an intriguing thought you think oh I love my home church right I love yep. the people there but for me I quickly realized that no there's just a different relationship with those people hmm. it's not that wouldn't work as well as they think it would because I'm too familiar sure. as a Joe Schmo sure <laughs> yeah you will. positives and negatives too is it yeah. I was thinking, I as a, as a yeah. Anyway, I, I was thinking when we when I went through this this morning, a friend that I had was trying to help his daughter with some uh, religion work that she had at her school. She was super young. They would send home a little religion work for the parents to be able to do with the the kids, and they were doing something. And this guy is a pastor, and he's working with his daughter doing their re- religion work. And he was saying, you know, I don't think this is exactly right. You know what's here, mm-hmm. and the daughter was just adamant. No, 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 Dad, this is this is right. And he said, "How do you how do you know?" Well, my teacher told me this. You know, and he said, "Well, you know, honey, I am a I am a pastor." And he said, "Yeah, but you're you're just my dad. You know, <laughs> this is the teacher at school told me this. You know, sometimes <laughs> those credentials just don't they don't translate, right? You're just yeah. my dad, uh, mm-hmm. Jesus. You're just this hometown." individual right. you know but really yeah yeah you can't yeah. be something more than this you don't you don't understand this there's no way that this can this can translate and it's almost like this is what happens to Christ in our text for today but what i think is super interesting and you brought this up in a sermon probably about 3 months ago now uh, the wording that is used of uh, the effect of this because the people don't believe there is a lack of miracles that happen but the exact wording that is used and that you pointed out a few months ago it doesn't say Jesus he chose not to do any miracles in verse 5 it actually reads he could not do any miracles Mm -hmm. there which is really which is really unique in the language that because of this lack of faith you know, it doesn't say that Jesus chose not, but that he he, he can't. Where this mm-hmm. faith doesn't coexist with God, these miracles aren't taking place. Uh, I mean, what is your what is your take on that? Like I said, you give a whole sermon on that that we could pull up, but I mean, that's right. so unique. It is, and so uh, yeah, 
I mean, I don't fully understand it, uh, obviously, but there's obviously that relationship that you're talking about between, and I was talking about without, you know, a prophet without honor. So this lack of honor and lack of faith, maybe that's the combination, I don't know. But for some reason, uh, because they had no honor for Jesus, yeah. they had no faith in Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus was not able to save them. The power is still there. Does, yeah, yeah. Does that it make just sense? Yeah. So, I mean, that would work for, because uh, the word heal, uh, it's not here in this verse, um, but often when you see the word heal in the New Testament, the word is sozo in the Greek, which means basically to save. Mm. So it's a, it's a complete healing. It's not just he healed a cripple or healed a blind, but he healed the soul too. And so it would be the same today for people who have no honor for That's Jesus and no faith in Jesus mm-hmm. he can't save them this, yeah, because so they are rejecting him yeah, yeah. and and I think a lot I think the shocking word there is could not because we think well God can do anything yeah and, you know God can do anything God can do anything well there's there's a difference I think from being omnipotent all powerful the most powerful being in the universe and uh, whatever omniscient all eternal all these infinite things that God is um, with being able to do literally everything because you know that's one of the jokes uh, it's a joke to me but uh, some people try to take a dig at God and say oh God can do anything okay can God make a rock so heavy that he can't pick it up yeah these two correlations and it's like, that, that's yeah, just like this weird element of philosophy because yeah. if he could then he can't pick it up if yeah. he can then he he can't, you know, he can't yeah. the rock. So how is he not powerful? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's, you know, can you make a square circle? There's that. There's no such thing as a square circle. Like, there's no such thing as salvation without faith. Yeah, uh, and that's what it really gets down to, right? That miraculous part that Jesus, he physically does have the power to be able to do miracles, to be able to heal, to be able to save. But when this other element is lacking, the two just don't correspond. It's like you're leaving. An ingredient out of uh, a recipe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can still try to put it together, but it's not going to turn out the way that it was intended to yeah. if something is is missing. And I, and I think probably the key theologically uh, is that the the people in this hometown of Nazareth are actively rejecting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jesus. Now we can, you know, we receive faith. We receive grace, forgive us all passively. God bestows that upon us. And we can't do anything to, to grab it or, or to earn it. Uh, but the one thing we can do is reject it. We can reject a free gift, right? Somebody says, I want to give you this. You say, no, I don't want it. Um, then you don't get it. And that's the unforgivable sin that we yeah. talked about, yeah. whatever it was, a week or two ago. But All right. Yeah. I think that moves into our, our next piece there. Uh, I'm going to read that next section. This, yeah. And this, I think it kind of corresponds a little bit with that. Jesus sends out the twelve. Uh, then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. I like the way the twelve is capitalized. Hmm. Um, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for your journey except staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, 
Shake the dust off your feet uh, when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached uh, that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Woo. A lot of cool stuff there. There is a lot in this little miniature, oh, was this five verses or something? Mm -hmm. There's a lot that, that takes place here. Um, and for maybe just first of all, this concept of Jesus sending out the 12, I think so much more going through scripture, we're thinking about like, you know, Jesus is traveling around with these group of guys. Well, and, and Jesus is doing everything. Yeah, yeah, and he's the one in control. We're just in chapter six here, and Jesus is actually sending them out, and you see the expediency of him wanting to get the word out to people, mm -hmm. and him already training up the disciples to be able to, uh, as he knows, take over, you know, in certain applications for him, or be able to pass out that authority, as it mentions. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, God in the flesh, Jesus is in this finite he can only preach to you know five thousand people, whatever, mm -hmm. at, at, at a time. You send out twelve people, and well, now you're preaching to sixty thousand people, <coughs> yeah, today, potentially. Well, yeah, you're multiplying the the outreach. And he does this in this very uh, supportive way, right? That they don't go out as individuals, they don't go out in these huge groups, but it's this uh, in Noah-like fashion, two by two. Mm -hmm. They go out, which is great, you know, to be able to. I know like my team ministry with you, it's great to be able to support one another or when maybe uh, one of us can, seed, can succeed in a certain area where the other one does not. But that's such an important piece, I think, for all of us as Christians mm -hmm. to think about being able to minister to people. We aren't just on our own. We really are united together. And that's how Christ sends us out as this family of, of believers, right? But even Jesus uses that, right? He could have done so many things miraculously but he still uses his disciples and uses us to be able to spread that message. Right. And uh, let's see. The olive oil, mm. uh, that was a common, you know, had medicinal, I guess, value used for many, many various elements to soothe. Um, but it doesn't take away, it doesn't take away from the healing power that, that Jesus gave them and that they performed for many people. And that's interesting that what they have and what they don't have, right? They're gifted. Jesus really talks about one thing, what he gives them, uh, authority. He gives them this authority. And specifically, he gives them authority over evil spirits. It doesn't say, I'm giving you the authority over people to be able to brainwash them, to be able to command them to do anything. I'm giving you authority over evil spirits to be able to push through what the walls that Satan right. is putting up so you can reach these. And the lack of what they have is actually seems more significant, right? He goes through oh, and he yeah, tells them to back. take nothing on this journey. No food, bread, no bag, suitcase, mm -hmm. no money, financing uh, in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic, no extra nice. clothing, yeah. right? I mean, think about what these guys do not have I think about when uh, I take my family on a vacation, I think I pack pretty minimally compared to my wife and my <laughs> daughter. But even I like to have a jacket. I like to have, make sure I have socks for every day, shirts that are there, yeah. you know? And they, they literally have nothing. And think about their environment of where they're sleeping at, of where they're going out to, how dusty it is. Uh, right. I mean, they don't have a lot. Right. 
and this is again you know we're early in in Jesus's ministry so number one we don't think about again uh, other people being so active in sharing the gospel you mm-hmm. kind of think of that maybe Pentecost that's after Jesus but no right from the beginning Jesus is getting everybody in the in the game uh, we've got work to do but uh, secondly like you're pointing out right these instructions and then again this is at the beginning of the ministry uh, these instructions not take care take anything with you it's just to you have to trust. There's a you purpose trust for the Lord. It. Yeah, and you know they did all these things, and obviously, you know they were provided for. Yeah, they weren't, you know, attacked on the road or whatever, or mobbed or starved to death or froze to death. I mean, God cared for them and took care of them as they went about His work. And I, and I think that's such a great application for us today because whenever we feel like maybe we're ill-equipped to be able to minister to others. Maybe it's not that you don't have food or you don't have uh, finances with you. Maybe we have those things to be able to use. But maybe you feel like, I hear a lot of people say, I don't know, I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know what words to use. I don't know what Bible verses to share with people. Sometimes when we feel ill-equipped, I think we just need to go to a passage like this and understand, well, look at how these disciples go out. They only have one thing to be able to rely upon the authority that God has given to them. Mm-hmm. And he gives us that same authority today to be able to go out and to be able to share of this great word. So whenever you feel ill-equipped to be able to share Christ with a neighbor or a family member, just know that God really fills in those gaps for us. Mm-hmm. And it's only our job to be able to push that out there. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to do the rest. Yeah, and it's so ama- it's just an amazing experience for your own faith. Uh, if you haven't done this before, shared your faith or just talked about Jesus, it is amazing how those words just pop in your head, and you're saying them, and you're like, "Wait, where'd that come from? I didn't, I didn't prepare that. Like, yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think of that before I got here and yeah. started getting the conversation. It's like, wow, God really did give me the words for that. That's kind of cool. Um, so again, as a pastor, I talk about our worship, our growing, our serving, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but. You know, as a church, we want to be serving other people because that's part of our mission. It's yeah. important. But as a pastor of, you know, shepherding you, you, I want you serving, yeah, to help our community. But for me, it's for your spiritual growth. Mm. It's when you start to see God working through you, you start to realize, wow, God is really taking care of me. He's taking care of when I'm on mission, providing things and yeah. opportunities and yep. things work out. Now, all of that said, uh, the last point I've got on this section is that uh, Jesus said, hey, you're going to meet some resistance. Yes. Like, it's not all going to be successful. You're going to be rejected by some people. Yeah. And when it happens, hey, he, he said, you know, brush the dust off your feet. For us, we would just kind of go like that. Jesus says, hey, you run into some resistance? Hey, don't worry about it. Move on to the next town. Yeah. Don't let it get you down. Don't let it knock you back. You know, just keep moving forward. Shake it off. It's going to happen. And I always equate this to, even for myself, like there are times, especially in certain circumstances, it feels uh, more, I don't know, scary to be able to share Christ at times. But then I think to myself, I'm like, what? so replace this subject of sharing Jesus with my favorite and all-time number one and only Savior with now, I think, what is my favorite place to get a hamburger at in town? I have no shame in being able to tell somebody, you know, I think you can get the best hamburger ever at X restaurant. 
I'll tell you why. And then in 30 seconds from that, if that guy says, that no, I went there. That place is no good. This place is better. I would just say, yeah, yeah. Right, whatever. Yeah. I, I know that this right. is the best. And I told you about that. And you know what? I don't think that they're going to look me to, oh, man, Jeremy thinks you can get the best hamburger at this place over yeah. here. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Like, so in something so insignificant is a hamburger that I'm not so worried about. Mm-hmm. Why don't I have that same mindset with Christ? And that's how I, I almost com- need to confidence. turn. Yeah, I need to turn myself to that and be like, you know what? If you don't think my savior is the best and what you truly need, I don't know what to tell you. I yeah. told you about it. I, I'll tell you about it again later. But you know, that's the way it is. You should really, you should really check this out. And so think about it in that way. You know, that what are the other things that you share with people that you're not worried what they're gonna say? Decorations in your house, uh, the kind of car you like. Do you like Chevy or Ford better? You n- name it. Any subject matter, we're not worried. But why does that happen with Christ? And part of it is probably because it's so personal. It is so important, but don't be worried to be able to express that. And just as Jesus says, even with the disciples that he sends out, they're going to hit resistance, and we are too. That's such a good point. That's a great analogy and a, and a really great point. <laughs> I like that. All right. Let's uh, go out here. John the Baptist beheaded. So uh, subject matter kind of switches a little bit from being able to share, just this, in a different way, though. This is almost like a, fl- a flashback yeah. in the story. So this isn't live, right? John, uh, Mark is... Kind of saying, giving us some backstory here, uh, as to why the resistance to Jesus, what's going on. And this is another one of those areas where we see Mark kind of bouncing around. So let's re- we're just going to read this one all the way through, as it really does lay out like one story, and then we'll speak about it at the end here. Uh, verse fourteen: King Herod heard about uh, this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said, he is Elijah. And still others claim, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has been raised from the dead? For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to do so because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, The opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to her, Ask me for anything you want, and I will give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with the request, I want you to give me uh, right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. <laughs> the king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an execution with orders to bring John, uh, John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. 
He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Wow. <clears throat> well, first of all, you could see, man, the, the deep hatred that this woman Herodias has for John the Baptist. It's unique, right, because it actually talks about how Herod likes to be able to listen to John. He's puzzled by the things that he says. I mean, it almost seems like he's chipping away at him. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what is John telling him? John's not talking to him about philosophy or about economics. He's telling him about God and about who Christ is. And so something even in Herod at this time seems to be slightly listening. But for this other woman, Herodias, she is so upset that he has called them out and said, this is not uh, an appropriate union in the eyes of God that, I mean, she just, she just despises him almost more than any other thing I can think of within scripture. And I say that because when Herod says you can have anything and he says, look, here's my line. I'm going to give you up to half my kingdom. This isn't, uh, he isn't just uh, saying that to uh, be, you know, uh, yeah, whatever, hyper, yeah, hyperbole. hyperbole yeah, he's, he's, he's legitimately serious. saying, I will give you 49.9%. Like, this is this is yours. I mean, I would have been like, all right, I'm going to take that deal right <laughs> now. Like, what, what else is better than this? He's got it. I mean, then yeah. you have everything. But the girl actually takes, I, good for her in some way, of being able to say, hey, I'm not going to be tempted by that. I want to think about this decision. Unfortunately, she just runs to mom and mom knows this too, that she could, man, she could have anything, but her uh, hatred runs so deep, she says, get his head right now. Uh, it's just, man, I can't imagine how bad that even, must have been. And it's not just the, uh, the the spite, vengeance, hate to, to want somebody killed, but it was like, like the brutality of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just kill him, but kill him and then bring me his head. Yeah, Ugh. almost so uh, gruesome. Almost so that he is made fun of a little even bit. Even even in this ancient times, right? Yeah, that would be a gruesome, a gruesome thing. Oh yeah, that would not. Yeah, I assume that did not help the dinner, dinner party out that night. <laughs> that was going really well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Herod feels trapped. It, I mean, you can actually see he has anguish. He doesn't want to do this, but he knows how strong his word is, and. It, that he is bound to that. He hasn't thought about what could have happened and how he could have got into the situation. He's acting in the moment, which is, I think, another lesson to us to be able to not do that, to be able to think ahead. We're only, it'd only be an assumption, but uh, there's probably a lot of alcohol flowing sure. freely. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, never, you know, make good good judgment calls. I completely uh, agree under those circumstances. But he knows he, he, at least he feels he has to go through with this or, I mean, if he didn't, he could have been overthrown out of his kingdom potentially because people would have said, you can't trust his word. He didn't keep his word to his own daughter. Mm -hmm. Like, how is he gonna, you know, keep his word to our kingdom that we're having this alliance now or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But even in his distress, he still goes through with it. I think a lot about too, about, um, John's side of this, right? So John is in prison. I mean, he is one that is chosen by God from before birth to be able to be a part of God's master plan, to be able to share about who Jesus is, to be able to 
prepare the way. He literally has the most important job that has ever existed on earth and ever will exist to prepare the way for Jesus so that his uh, gospel may spread. John does all these things. He is super faithful in his life to God. And what is the reward that he receives? He's locked in prison. Jesus is around during this time. Jesus is doing miracles. Jesus could have come and done a miracle and freed him from prison, but he doesn't. And I wonder what that was like for John sitting there every day thinking, God has asked me to do these things. I did all of them. And now I'm sitting here alone in this cold cell. Mm -hmm. I'm just... I'm just waiting. I wonder even for John the Baptist if he had doubt or asked that question, well, where is God now? Where is Jesus now? Well, yeah. Another scripture passage, not in our study today, but we do know John's disciples went to Jesus and said, are you really the Messiah? Yes, that's true. Like our guy is sitting in jail right now. Yeah. yeah. Are you actually the Messiah? Are you really the one? Yeah. Because we kind of put it all on the line right now. <laughs> yeah. and so, I mean, it, there must at least at some point, even in John's heart, maybe I'm wrong, uh, I would assume there is this inkling of abandonment, just that you would feel as a human being trapped yep. there. And uh, I mean, we have the same thing, I think, too. Who, who knows what that cell is that holds you, but you know that time when there's something bad that gets prescribed into your life uh, from a relationship or from a physical medical diagnosis or something like that and we we think that right god where are you like you know i'm a faithful mm -hmm. christian you know I, I i serve you i honor you why is this happening god are jesus are you are you really here do you know i'm trapped right now yeah i think uh i think that theme is a thread that really runs all three of these vignettes if you will uh mm -hmm. together right so jesus is rejected the disciples, they go out and they they face opposition. Well, they have some success, but they face opposition too. And then you got John the Baptist completely just unjustly well, executed. Um, so, the, you know, what do we learn here from Jesus about how to deal with opposition? Um, I'm going to I'm going to say that we are all in danger of becoming so obsessed with the opposition that we lose focus on the work that God's put before us mm. and the blessings that we have that God provides for us. Um, not a political statement. This is a, this is a pastoral statement. Um, I believe we can watch too much news. I don't care what your favorite news channel is. Um, yeah, you can say the world's going to hell in a handbasket every generation can say that mm -hmm. um, and there's only so much we can do about that you know we're flooded with information news around the world um, but what can I actually do to affect any of this change whether it's in New York or Zimbabwe um, you know God's got work for me to do right in front of me and he's certainly blessed me and he's blessing the work that we're doing here um, now we need to be informed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not, that's not what I'm yep. saying at that's, all. No, that's a good point to be able to follow back on. Yeah. Um, um, but I really think it would be real easy for Jesus, right? <laughs> his own home, his hometown, his old friends and family. Later, even uh, the disciples, the resistance. And then you see somebody like John, who's complete. I mean, just following the mission to the letter. 
uh, end up being imprisoned and then executed. And you think, man, you can be so just focused and overwhelmed, I guess, obsessed with, with all the opposition and just completely lose sight of, of the work that we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, we focus on that and we trust, right? All we need is a staff. We don't need any money. We don't need bread. We don't need an extra set of clothes. Yep. Right? God's going to give us everything we need to do his work. Hmm. Well, I think that's a good place to kind of wrap up on uh, today. Uh, kind of a somber ending there with uh, John, but you see his disciples come. They take his body. They lay it in the tomb. And we know where that story goes from there. That right. John, as he was united with Jesus and being able to be this baptizer mm-hmm. and being able to be this prophet and this evangelizer he's also united with him in his resurrection just as you and i are so that's the piece to be able to remember whenever we're asking that question where's god well he's he's in the same mix with us you know right, right. all right let's let's pray heavenly father uh, we give you thanks and praise for all of the work that you do in each of our lives and I just pray for all of our family here at Desert Foothills and those near and far who, who join us uh, for these studies and worship services. Pray that you would strengthen the faith that you have blessed them with. Uh, grant them the courage to, to step out and, and, and do the work that you've put before them to do. As simple as maybe even writing a note to, uh, to a friend or a former friend or uh, just sharing the love that you've blessed us with and when not if but when we uh, encounter opposition uh, give us that uh, confidence in you to just shake the dust off and keep moving forward uh, and sharing your love with uh, with everyone in our lives near and far uh, continue to keep us safe uh, from harm and disease we ask for your protection lord and uh, your blessings on your ministry here and we pray in jesus name Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. All right, we'll see you next week.